please open your Bibles with me once again to the book of Romans. We'll be picking up where we left off there last week in Romans chapter 4, beginning there in verse 16. The Apostle writes in Romans chapter 4, verse 16, Therefore it is of faith. Therefore salvation is received by God's gift, that faith that is not of ourselves, that it might be by grace. To the end, or to this purpose, that the promise of God to save sinners in Christ might be certain and sure to all God's people. Sure to all the seed, that is, God's elect, His chosen covenant people. Not to that only which is of the law, not only to the religious Jew, that is, God saves sinners, Jew or Gentile, Old Testament saint or new, exactly the same way. And Abraham is many times called the father of the faithful, as it is written, I've made thee a father of many nations who is the father of us all. Indeed, all of us who have heard and have learned of the Father come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in verse 16, we see three things every believer is taught from the Word of God by the revelation of God the Holy Spirit. First of all, we see that salvation is received by faith alone. It's not a combination of faith and works, but rather received by faith alone alone. Faith alone, the Word alone, Christ alone, and grace alone to the glory of God alone. You see, salvation is received by faith alone. As we read there in Romans chapter 4, verse 3, Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him, reckoned unto him, imputed unto him for righteousness. You see, the just shall live by faith, And we read that blessed statement four times in the Word of God, how that salvation is by faith alone. And that's how it's received. Salvation is received by believing. By believing, beloved. Not by doing, but rather by believing God. So what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And know this. Faith is the gift of God, that faith that works in us. Our Lord, when answering that multitude that asked, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? Our Lord answered them saying, this is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. Secondly, salvation being by faith is through grace. By grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. That the promise of God to save sinners in Christ might be certain and sure in Christ. Beloved, if our salvation was based upon our efforts, if it depended upon what we did or what we did not do, it could never be sure. Now, could it? And why is that? Well, because you and I could never meet the perfect standard the perfect righteous holiness that God requires. But because salvation is all in Christ, by grace, salvation is absolutely certain and sure to everyone that believes the gospel. 
And thirdly, we know that salvation is the free gift of God given to sinners without respect of persons. We saw that in our study of Romans chapter 2. God's word declares, For there is no respect of persons with God. No respect of persons with, with God. That is, even though the Jews were the physical descendants of Abraham, God saves the religious Jew the same way he saves the pagan Gentile. Where did God find Abraham? He found him in the house of bondage, in the house of idolatry, and God called him out. And so Paul's point being, as Peter declared, we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. That is, God is going to save the Jew exactly the same way he saves the Gentile. So we can truly say that salvation is by the free gift of God. While the wages of sin is death, the gift of God is eternal life. My friend, it's not by blood. It's not by your nationality. Rather, salvation is by the free gift of God in Christ Jesus. You see, it's a good thing when the Lord grants that we should have children and bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and put them under the sound preaching of the gospel. But that alone does not guarantee their salvation. For salvation is still by the grace of God alone. And so if God is going to save our children, he's going to use the gospel to do it. God's word declares, by grace ye are saved through faith, and that not of ourselves, it is the gift of God. I'm just saying this, beloved. What was the difference between Cain and Abel? The grace of God was the difference between Cain and Abel. They were both raised in a gospel preaching home. Adam and Eve both preached the gospel to both Cain and Abel, but it was God that made the difference between Cain and Abel. Abel believed God by God's grace, and Cain did not. And so believing father, believing mother, the salvation of your children is in God's hands alone, not ours. And it's according to his purpose in Christ. Now let's look at Romans chapter 4, verse 17. God's word declares in Romans chapter 4, verse 17, As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Now how could it be said that Abraham is a father of many nations? Only in Christ, only through the gospel. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Now God made this promise to Abraham after he found him and called him out of his idolatry. God changed his name from Abram to Abraham, which means the father of a great multitude. Now when God made this promise to Abraham, he was not even a father, for you see he had no children at all. And Sarah was a barren woman. And though Abraham was 99 years old and Sarah was 90, he took God at his promise. He believed the word of truth, and Abraham trusted and believed God. And beloved, this is what saving faith does. It takes God at his promise. This is a true and faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus 
came into the world to save sinners. And Paul concludes that blessed verse with these words, of whom I am chief. Now save your place there in Romans chapter 4 and turn with me to Genesis chapter 17. And look there with me in verse 1. Genesis chapter 17, verse 1. And when Abram was 90 years old and nine, now that's 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the mighty God. I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect or upright and sincere. And I will make my covenant between me and thee and I will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, as for me, Behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be called Abraham, for a father of many nations have I made thee. Now, Abraham's name actually means father of a great multitude. Now, how is it that Abraham is a father of many nations, a father of a great multitude? Only in Christ, only through the gospel. And in our Lord's genealogy, the Lord Jesus Christ is called the son of David and the son of Abraham. We read that in Matthew 1.1. Again, Genesis chapter 17, verse 5. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be called Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee, and I will make thee exceeding fruitful and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. All those sons of David came out of Abraham's loins. Verse 7. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed. Now notice, that refers to Christ, the special son, Isaac. And thy seed after thee in their generations, for an everlasting covenant, to be a God unto thee, and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger and all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession and I will be their God. And so Abraham took God at his promise, at his word and trusted and believed him. And my friend, that's what saving faith is blessed to do. And so if you have saving faith, you'll receive and believe all of the word of God. When somebody says, well, I just believe part of the word of God, I believe in some parts, but other parts, well, I just don't believe them. Now, if you're a believer, you believe and receive all the word of God. All the prophets, all the law, all the gospels, and all the letters. If you're a believer, you believe the entire word of God. You see, saving faith, the faith of God's elect, acknowledges and believes even when natural reason says it's impossible. For with God, all things are possible. Nothing is impossible for God. Remember how the disciples said to the Lord, well, who then can be saved? Do you remember our Lord's answer? With men, salvation is impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. 
Now, if you read on to Genesis chapter 18, where God told Abraham and Sarah that they were going to have that special son, the covenant seed, Isaac. And in Isaac came the special son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. When Sarah first heard of that promised special seed, Isaac, it says in Genesis chapter 18 that she laughed at the prospect of it. Look in Genesis chapter 18, beginning in verse 10. And God said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age. And it ceased to be with Sarah after the minstrel manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, Shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? And the Lord said, Is there is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee, according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Then Sarah denied, saying, I laughed not, for she was afraid. And he said, Nay, but thou didst laugh. Sarah, you did indeed laugh. And we're going to see in a moment, Abraham laughed as well. All right, turn back to Romans chapter 4. Verse 17. And here we see, again, Paul citing Genesis chapter 17. As it is written... I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Now notice these two things are said here describing our God, how that Abraham believed God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Now that word quickeneth, That's an old English word that simply means to make alive. The word of God is quick and powerful. God quickeneth. That simply means God makes things alive that were dead. God who quickeneth the dead. He raises up dead men to life. Now only the power of God can raise a dead man. He raised up Lazarus from the dead, did he not? God's word records how that our Lord cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth, and he that was dead came forth. We read in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. And this is what the Lord does spiritually in regeneration. He raises up his people from the spiritual grave of our sin and gives us life in Christ. Beloved, even when we were dead in sins, God hath quickened us together with Christ, and so by His grace we are saved. You see, the Father has given the Lord Jesus Christ power over all flesh, that He should give eternal life to as many as those given unto Him. Only God can quicken the dead. Only God can call things and consider things that don't exist and see them as existing. Again, notice the second part of verse 17. Only God quickeneth the dead 
and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Now, how many people had actually sinned and fallen when God Almighty said the Lord Jesus Christ was the lamb slain from before the foundation of the world? How many people had actually fallen in Adam at the time when God said that the Lord Jesus Christ stood as the surety and mediator of the everlasting covenant of grace? You see, beloved, before Adam ever was created, or Adam ever sinned, the Lord Jesus Christ stood as our surety. He calleth those things which be not as though they were already done. God Almighty considers, and he does all things exactly, according to his eternal purpose in Christ. We read in Acts chapter 15, God's word declares in Acts chapter 15, Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. In Isaiah chapter 46, God declares, Yea, I have spoken it, I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it, I will also do it. Indeed, before there was even a creation, God had already purposed all things and sees all things as they are right now. How infinite is our God in his power, in his wisdom, in his decrees, and his knowledge. Beloved, saving faith believes God as he's revealed in the word of God. Only God can quicken the dead. Only God alone can call those things which do not exist and see them as existing. Romans chapter 4, verse 18. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. Now this is God looking upon the believing heart of Abraham. Abraham was 99 years old, and God said, you're going to have a son. And so naturally, we would think, well, that's not going to happen. Sarah was barren all her life, and God said, Sarah, you're 90 years old, and you're going to have a son. Now, naturally speaking, our natural hope would be, well, that's not going to happen. It would be similar to a 90-year-old woman in our day saying, well, I'm going to have a son, and you would think, there's no way that's going to happen. But this is exactly what God said to Abraham and Sarah, and they believed God. Now, this is what God said of them. Knowing their hearts, God says they believed him. And so Abraham believed God when natural reason and natural principle would say impossible. Again, verse 18. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. You see, Abraham believed God. That's what the word of God says. But he also demonstrates times of unbelief throughout his life. God said how that Abraham believed him, and so God imputed it unto him for righteousness. Paul writes in verse 22, And therefore Abraham believed God, and it was imputed to him for righteousness. And so Abraham believed God, but also at times he demonstrated unbelief as well. Now, why even point that out? Because this is the reality of what we are before God. You see, 10 years had passed after God initially gave that promise to Abraham and Sarah. 10 years had passed and no son was born. 
Indeed, Isaac didn't come along till much later. So what did Sarah say? Abraham, go into my handmaid, Hagar, and we'll have a son by the handmaid. You go into my handmaid, Hagar, and we'll have a son by the younger woman, Hagar. And Abraham listened to Sarah and conceived Ishmael by Hagar. Now, from God's perspective, Abraham believed him. But from our perspective, we say, well, Abraham had times of doubt and unbelief, and so did Sarah. Turn back to Genesis chapter 17. Now, remember, God said Abraham believed him. That's God's viewpoint. But from our viewpoint, Indeed, if you read the record from Genesis chapter 12 through to Genesis chapter 19, we see how that Abraham not only believed God, but he also had times of doubt and unbelief. Now notice there in Genesis chapter 17, verse 15, God's word declares in Genesis chapter 17, beginning at verse 15. And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarai, thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, But Sarah shall her name be. And I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah that is ninety-nine years old bear? So Abraham believed God. But Abraham also demonstrates times of doubt and unbelief. Now, I say that to say this. Beloved, believing, sometimes doubting sinner. The ground of our faith is the unchangeable word of God. And so just like Abraham and every believer with him, we have times of unbelief and doubt. Pastor, do you ever have times of doubt and unbelief? Sure I do, all the time. And every time I cry out from the heart he opened, like that man that cried out and said with tears, Lord, I do believe, help thou mine unbelief. Or the disciples, Lord, increase our faith. Or like Peter, Lord, you know I love you. Now, that's just the reality of our daily walk in Christ. And so God says of Abraham that he believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. And yet, as we look at Abraham's conduct and Abraham's life of faith, there were times when he almost appeared to be an unbeliever. I can think of two other occasions when Abraham said of Sarah that she's not really my wife. And he did that to protect his own life. He wasn't trying to protect Sarah's life, just trying to save his own skin. Once before Pharaoh and then before another king, when his life was in danger to protect himself, he said, Sarah's not my wife. She's my sister. Now Abraham believed God, did he not? But he also demonstrated times of unbelief. Now that's just the reality of what we are. We are believers by God's grace. But there are many times when we go through great periods of doubt, fear, and unbelief where we can say, my faith is fragile, it's small, it's weak, 
It's insignificant, but it's so good to hear the gospel. (laughs) We're not justified by our faith, beloved. We're justified by the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, you see, beloved, the Lord records these things about Abraham to show us the reality of what we really are before him. You see, our hope of complete redemption from our sins is based totally upon the doing of Christ. Our complete justification is based upon the faithfulness of Christ. Beloved, it's not based upon our faithfulness. Now, I'm not saying for a moment that we shouldn't endeavor to be faithful or we shouldn't endeavor to be consistent or strive to be obedient to the Word of God. But, beloved, our faithfulness, our obedience, is not the basis of salvation. Rather, our hope of salvation is founded upon Christ alone. Abraham's hope was not founded upon his faith. Abraham's hope was founded upon the Lord Jesus Christ and his faith. Abraham's hope wasn't in Abraham's faith, nor is our hope of salvation in our faith. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 2. We read there in verse 16, one of those blessed portions of God's word that speaks about our knowing. We know all things work together for good for those who love God, the called according to his purpose. It's so good to know. <laughs> and that's not bragging. That's not boasting. If an atheist comes up to me and says, oh, this is circular reasoning. You're just believing what's in the Bible. He doesn't know the other part, beloved. We just don't believe these things. We know them. They're given to us as a revelation from above. God condescends in mercy and grace to make these things known to us. And I look there in verse 16 of Galatians chapter 2. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of the faithfulness, the uprightness, the never-failing Savior of, of sinners, the Lord Jesus Christ. And not by works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. And it's throughout the Word of God, beloved. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. And I know many of you know this verse quite well, but I never tire of reading it. <laughs> never. May God not only open this verse to you, beloved, if there's someone here this evening who has not yet heard, who has a heart that is still yet unopened, may God be pleased to open the book, open this verse, and open your heart that you might rejoice in the gospel of our salvation. For by grace are you saved. It does not say here by repentance you are saved. It does not say by getting your act in order you are saved. You are saved by grace, beloved. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You see, beloved, faith looks to Christ. Faith doesn't look anywhere else. Our hope of complete redemption from our sins is based totally upon the Word of God. Our hope is based upon the promise of God 
in the gospel of Christ who put away our sin by the sacrifice of himself. And beloved, because of that, we have a good hope, a sure hope through grace alone. Christ in you is the sure hope of glory. You see, God says of Abraham, now this is from God's viewpoint, Romans chapter 4, verse 19. Being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. Now, as we read earlier in Genesis, when he laughed, and at other times, it appeared that his faith was weak. But this is from our viewpoint of things. Our Lord teaches us, judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. And so from God's viewpoint, looking on Abraham's heart, he was not weak in faith, but rather always believed God's word and his promise. Again, verse 19. And being not weak in faith, Abraham considered not his own body, now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Though Abraham had times of unbelief, his faith was never weak because the object of his faith was ever strong. You see, it wasn't that Abraham was strong. It was the object of his faith that was strong. It doesn't say Abraham believed Abraham. Now that'd be a very sad thing. And so Abraham didn't believe Abraham because Abraham was a failure. Before God, every single one of us in this auditorium is a failure before God. There's only one success, <laughs> and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Keep your place there in Romans chapter 4, just to save your spot, and turn with me to Psalm chapter 1. So the first Psalm. I love this verse because it does not speak about me, nor does it speak about you. (laughs) But it speaks about our sovereign, successful Savior, the only Savior for sinners who shall not fail to save all those that put their trust in Him. It says there in Psalm 1, verse 3, in the latter part, Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. That's not talking about me. That's not talking about you. That's talking about our never-failing Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. What was it it that he said of the Father's will? I love repeating this. He said, This is the Father's will, he who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I shall lose nothing, but raise it up again at the last day. And so the strength of Abraham's faith was the object of his faith, the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes when somebody's going through a tough patch or a trial or a heartbreaking tragedy, people say, well, be strong. My friend, the flesh is never strong, and it's never strong to trust yourself 
That'd be nothing more than self-righteousness. And the strength of faith is not even faith, but rather the strength of faith is our mighty God who is the object of saving faith, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, when the time came for Abraham and Sarah to have a son, he did not consider the weakness and frailty of his 100-year-old body, nor the deadness of Sarah's 90-year-old body, but was blessed to believe God and did bring forth the promised son Isaac, the forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's called in Matthew chapter 1, the son of David and the son of Abraham. Now look there at verse 20. He staggered not at the promise of God. Now, though Abraham staggered, he did not stagger at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Abraham looked beyond the difficulties of the flesh and believed God and the promise of his word. Faith, true faith, does not look itself. For you see, in the flesh is nothing but doubts and unbelief. But true faith is always blessed because of the object of that faith, which is the mighty, never-failing Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, true faith takes God at his word because he cannot lie. That's one thing impossible for God to do. He cannot lie. God's word declares in the book of Hebrews, by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. And further, in the book of Titus, God's word declares, speaking of the hope we have of eternal life, which God, that cannot lie, promised before the world began. You see, this promise of God to save sinners through Christ goes all the way back before the foundation of the world. From everlasting to everlasting, he has ever been God. Romans chapter 4, verse 21. And so Abraham, being fully persuaded that what God had promised, God was able also to perform. Abraham was fully persuaded that God was able to give that son. You see, Abraham wasn't fully persuaded that both he and Sarah could do that. They tried that before, and they ended up with Ishmael. Rather, being fully persuaded that what God had promised, God was able also to perform all that he promised. Beloved, our God is able. We're not. But he is. He is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto him through his darling son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, beloved, from God's viewpoint... In spite of Abraham's doubts and failings, God says he believed and God counted it unto Abraham for righteousness. And so as we look at the reality of Abraham's life, though he demonstrated and he acted at times like he doubted and didn't believe at all, this is recorded in God's word to show us the frailty of our own flesh and the reality of why true faith only and ever looks to Christ alone for all salvation. That is, saving faith is only strong as we look to our God, Christ Jesus the Lord. Beloved, we have no strength in ourselves. 
Don't ever say, well, I'm going to get it done. What does our Lord declare in John chapter 15? He declares, without me, you can do nothing. Beloved, let us be fully persuaded of that. Amen.